the role here at Fellowship Church. Also, you are my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why I come here. That's why I come here. I have one other reason. Can I share it with you? Samuel was 14 when I met him. A Latino boy with two brothers. Smaller than he was that would be in our youth group. Portia and I were youth directors for eight years up in North Carolina. We love Samuel. A good kid, a good kid, never standing on the front row, but Samuel was always behind holding up the front row. How about that? Never wanted to be first, but he was always there. Samuel was always there in our youth group. At one time, honey, what, 40 kids? They would come to youth meetings with their dirty uniforms on because they didn't want to miss youth meetings. Because when we meet, we eat. That's what we did. We loved the children. We loved the kids. They were all teenagers. Samuel grew. He would never not do anything I didn't ask him to do with the youth at the church. Always there. Well, Samuel grew, went off to be a Marine. Years go by, and I'm under a house in the country club of North Carolina, wiring. I'm a licensed electrical contractor in North Carolina. I'm under there wiring, and my Blackberry rings. I loved my Blackberry. It was this big. Y'all know. And it'd go in my pocket. Now my phone's a shoebox. So I keep it in the truck. I don't even take it under a house anymore. But my phone rings under this house. I don't know the number and I'm scared to death it's going to be a scammer. Hello? Hey, Terry, this is Samuel. (laughs) Wow, buddy. How in the world are you doing? He said, I wanted to call and let you know that I graduated from basic training. I'm a Marine. I said, yes! Buddy, I knew you had it in you. You can do it. There's nothing you can't do. And then it got a little quiet. Not a lot was said. He said, there's something else. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I hope it's not bad news. Not in his family. He told me, he said, he said, I just want to tell you, thank you for loving me. This is a Marine telling me that. So I don't know what you're involved with, who you're putting your life into. There's people out there that you can change their world and you won't even know it. You won't even know it with Samuel. Oh, I love Samuel. I love his whole family. 
And that's the reason that I'm here, because I know that you love me. That's why. I know you love me. I know this guy right here. This guy loves me. He loves me through my brother, but he loves me. That's why I drive 650 miles and take 12 hours out of my life to be with sweet people that know the Lord, that love Him, love each other. What you have is very special. You don't find this just everywhere, okay? And you're a part of it. You're a blessing to me. So thank you for loving me, okay? Woo! Here we go. All right. Hey, does anyone here ever heard the term, get your goat? Have you ever heard that? Boy, that really got my goat. Have you ever heard the term? Do you know where it comes from? You're going to find out. Right here today, you're going to find out where get my goat comes from. I didn't know where it came from. With the current events that have happened lately with the Supreme Court, which I say praise the Lord for that. Thank you so much for that. We're definitely stepping in the right direction. We may not be everywhere we need to be yet, but you're going to find out why in a little bit that's such a positive thing that's happened in the Supreme Court. Okay? I did hear a pastor say, well, that's political. I'm not going to go there. That's bull. This is Bible. That's number six. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not what? kill. That's number six. There's only ten of them. That's number six. You're going to find out what get my goat means. The name of the message that you see in your little handout, folks, you got to do something. If you don't do something, nothing will happen. If you don't do something, nothing will happen. Will y'all say that with me? If you don't do something, faith without works is what? As a hammer. It's dead as a hammer. There's legs under your prayers. There's shoes on your faith. You're not going to sit there and watch Judge Judy with the remote control and if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. It's not happening. If you don't do something, nothing will happen. Now, if you've ascended to the very top of Christian maturity, this message is not for you. You'll be bored to tears. But on the other hand, on the other hand, if you feel like maybe you can grow a little bit more, some spiritual enrichment, lend me your ears. We're going to be talking about two people primarily in this message. Judah. Can y'all say Judah? And we're going to be talking about Tamar. Can y'all say Tamar? Okay, Judah is the fourth son of Jacob and Leah. And your preacher is a fourth son. Not that it means anything to this message, but I thought you might want to know. He's a fourth son too. And Tamar. Tamar is the widow of Ur and Onan, who are sons of Judah. One more time. Faith without works is... 
Do you believe that? I do. You've got to do something. Now, I told you we're going to do a little bit different. And if you'll be patient with me just a moment, I'm going to read some verses, and then I want to tell you the story. Can I do that? Is that all right? And break it down into where we can understand. Is that okay? All right, I want to do that and keep it simple, stupid, right? Kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid, right? Okay, here we go. I'm going to read Genesis 38, 6 through 26. I had never heard this in the Bible. You may know it front and back. I never heard it. So we'll find out. Here we go. Then Judah took a wife for Er, his firstborn. Her name was Tamar. But Er, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord did what? Killed his son. The Lord killed his son. And Judah said to Onan, go into your brother's wife, marry her, raise her up an heir to your brother. But Onan knew that the heir wouldn't be his. And when he went into his brother's wife, he did not follow through, lest he should give an heir to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, and the Lord did what? Two brothers, two sons, the Lord killed them. Wow. Then Judah said to who? Tamar, his daughter-in-law. Well, look, you can stay a widow in your father's house till my son Shelah is grown. And then he said, you know, unless he die also like his brothers. And, when he, and so Tamar went and she dwelt in the father's house. Now in the process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. And Judah was comforted and went up to his sheep shearers at Timnah, he and his friend here of the Adulamite. And it was told Tamar, saying, Look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear some sheep. So she took off her widow's garments, covered herself with a veil, wrapped herself, sat in an open place which was on the way to Timnah, for she knew that Judah was going to come that way. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot, a prostitute, because she had her face covered up. Then he turned to her, by the way, and he said, Please, let me come in to you, for he didn't know that that was his daughter-in-law. So she said, Well, what are you going to give me? He said, I'll send you a goat. I'll get you a goat. You going to get my goat? Yeah, I'll get you a goat. what he said. That's in the book. Then he said, what pledge shall I give you? Will you give me a pledge until you get my goat? And 18, what pledge shall I give you? She said, well, look, you give me your signet, your cord, and your few things that you have. Yeah, that'll work. So he gave them to her, went into her. She conceived by him. So she arose, went her way laid aside her veil and put back on her widow outfit. And Judah sent the young goat by the hand of his friend to get his stuff back from the woman. But he couldn't find her. He asked the men that were standing there, well, where's the harlot that was here? Well, they can't find her. We don't know where she is. So he returned to Judah and said, 
could not find that woman. Also, the men of the place said, there was no harlot up there. So Judah said, let her take them for herself, lest we be shamed. For I sent the goat, and you didn't find her. It came to pass about three months after that Judah was told, saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law has played the harlot. Furthermore, she's with child by harlotry. So Judah says, bring her out. Let her be what? Burned. When she was brought out, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man to whom these things belong, I am with child. And she said, Please, determine whose these are, the signet, the cord, the staff. Last verse. So Judah acknowledged them and said, She's been more than righteous than me because I didn't give her to Shelah, my son. And Judah never knew her again. Father, I need your help right now. I just want to talk plain talk about what happened and the picture of what happened to this pregnant woman and the decision that she had to make. And I know you'll help me. I said hearts might receive the word in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to talk. We're good? Judah is crushed. He's got two boys that are dead. Losing one son, unthinkable. You lose two sons, the only word I can come up with would be devastating. See, I have a son. That I'm so proud of. And I can't allow my head to even go in that direction. If something would happen to my son. See, God's good to me. God knows what I can handle. Okay? He knows what I can handle. And something to happen to Michael. I don't know what Brother Terry would do. I don't want to go there. But Judah's devastated. He has two dead sons fooling around with this woman named Tamar. So Judah says to her, look, you come stay with me as a widow until my last son grows up, Shelah. And when he grows up, then y'all two can connect and we'll be a family again. Well, that sounds reasonable. That sounds good. So Tamar moves in to Judah's house. So it's Judah and Judah's wife and Tamar. Judah, ooh, is happy. He's going to cut his sheep. Everything's happy. Everything's good. So Tamar moves in and she what? She waits for what? Shayla to grow up. Well, that took a little while, right? So she waits and she waits and she waits. And finally, Judah's son grows up, and Tamar fully expects Judah to keep his word. Good, we get married now. But Judah still did not offer Shelah to Tamar. 
Tamar realizes her wait is in vain. That girl been tricked. That's what's happened. She's been tricked. So now Judah had tricked her with good reason. All right? He didn't want to lose another boy. He lost two boys messing with this woman. You kidding me? There's no way that he's going to revisit the heartbreak that he endured putting his two boys in the ground. Not going there. No rational person would do that, would they? Or would they? Would you? I don't know. The only problem is with that, if you close out the pain, you close out the possibilities. If you close out the burden, you could be closing out the blessing. That's why the enemy wants each one of us to fail, to shut down, to close our womb, to be isolated, disconnected. You know, the Great Wall of China went up, and the people of China went backward for hundreds of years. Why? Nothing could get in, but nothing could get out. And they cripple themselves. We live isolated to protect ourselves so that nothing gets in, nothing gets out. I'm through dating. I'll never speak to another man as long as I live. I'm done. So we live our lives just going through the motions, but we make no impact. We're not going to risk being hurt again because the last time we loved Hmm. Something happened. And it died. We don't want to go back there again. Not caring if the sun comes up in the morning. I've been there. I'm not the only one that's been there in this room. So Tamar finds herself stuck in the house with Judah. And Judah's living with his daughter-in-law who's a widow, and his wife. And his wife lives for just a little while. And then she dies. Are you kidding me? So now who's in the house? Tamar and Judah. Here's the picture. Judah's son is grown. He's gone out the door. His wife dies. It's just Judah and Tamar. Wow. Wow. So Tamar says to herself, Ooh, I got to do something. If I don't do something, ain't nothing going to happen. I got to do something. That one statement, that one decision changes her life. How about you? How about you? Are you sitting in Judah's house? Not making an impact. You're just waiting. What are you waiting for? You've got to do something. You're just floating along. Floating along. Doing what? Nothing really. Am I growing? No, I don't want to do that. You could be in Judah's house right now. 
wearing all black with a veil over your face. I don't want to be there. But she has to make a decision. Tamar makes a decision. And you know what? You have the power to change your life. You can change your life. Let's see what Tamar did. She makes a decision. And you're going to tell my brother, could be I'm just waiting on the Lord. Well, sitting there watching Judge Judy with the remote in your hand in the recliner, that ain't going to cut it. That's not getting that job that you're wanting. That's not helping your neighbor that just came home from the hospital. Tamara made a decision. She actually did something. Lord could be waiting on you instead of you waiting on Him. You've got to have some legs moving. That's got to happen. You've got to put some... You've got to put some shoes on the ground. If you don't do something, you could die in Judah's house. Let me turn my page. We're good. So she takes off. If you don't do something, you can die in Judah's house. Okay? We heard that. The rest of your life can be held up by your past. Your destiny will die because your history will kill it. Wow. If you don't do something, nothing's going to happen. Tamar decided, i got to do something. So she takes off her black widow clothes, takes that veil off. She goes in the house to the closet. And she finds that pretty red dress from Talbot's. Here it is, right here. Here it is. Here we go. I got it. And she got this really suggestive veil that will go over her face. And she takes a long bath. She puts that sweet oil in the water. And she is looking really fine when she gets in this red dress with all that going on. Tomorrow's looking good. She is looking good. And she's doing something. She puts on a costume that's really more suggestive. And she went and sat beside the road where Judah's going to go up to Timnah to the sheep shearing. She knows he's going. She already heard he's leaving in the morning. So she's there and she's ready. She is looking. She looks good. This girl looks good. I'm just saying. I'm just saying she is. So in just a little while, she looks down the road, and there comes Judah. He's making his way up. She's sitting right here, looking fine. And as he gets closer, he says, Wowzers. Wowzers. Look at this. And the closer he got, the air was so sweet around her. Unbelievable. So Judah is convinced that this is a lady of the evening, a harlot, a prostitute. Because remember now, she's covered up up here. You can't really see her face that good. But she sure looks good, what you can see, okay? They began bartering back and forth because Judah doesn't have with him what was normally given. A goat would have been sufficient. 
But he wasn't planning on running into this. You kidding? This is amazing. So he asked Tamar, look, what's it going to take for us to do this deal? Hmm. She said, well, look, you give me your signet, those few things that you got there, and I'll hang on to them till you get my goat. So, she takes his stuff, and Judah didn't mind giving it to her because he's going to get it back a little bit. I'll get you goat. Everything's cool. So Tamar and Judah, they can make a connection. And then he leaves not knowing he's been set up. Okay? And when Judah got ready to return with the goat, he told his friend to take it. He'll find, you'll find that girl. You'll find her. She's side the road there. You'll see her. Well, they get over there with the goat and she's gone. Can't find her anywhere. Wow. So three months later, guess what happens? She's starting to show just a little bit. So now Tamar's dealing with the shame of being single and pregnant. Now all of Judah's friends, they form a little huddle here. And they come to Judah and they, look, we want to inform you that your your so-called daughter-in-law, she may not be as sad as she'd been acting. There's something up with her. I mean, we're, she's already been caught throwing up in the morning. Her belly poking out. Her ankles are swollen. There's something definitely going on with this girl. We think she might be pregnant. Matter of fact, we're pretty sure she's pregnant. Whoa. Are you kidding? Judah gets mad. Judah gets mad. Just like we always do. Whenever we hear somebody else has fallen. It's so much easier to be righteous when you're wrong than it is when I'm wrong. It's easy for me to put you down. It's hard for me to put me down. But that's what he's doing. He's mad. Judah's hot. Truce out. They know this woman is pregnant and stoning is too good for her. Burner. Let's burn that girl to death. Wow. So with no regard for Tamar and the baby, Judah agrees he's going to burn her and the baby. Wow. But see, when you burn the baby, you burn the future. What? When you burn the baby, you burn the future. You burn a blank check, a possibility. You kill what could have been, what would have been, what should have been. Wow. Over 63 million coulda, woulda, shouldas since 1973. Lord, help us. Lord, forgive us. Who could do such a thing? Could you imagine burning a young woman with a child? With child. Burning her. Smelling the flesh burn. Can you see it? 
Can you imagine what we're doing? It's, it's unbelievable. Judah didn't say to put her away. He didn't say to stone her. He didn't say send her off. He didn't say I'm ashamed of her. He said burn her! <laughs> Can you believe this? This is in the Bible. This is a story in the Bible. So the crowd comes to get her. They come to the door. And be careful of mobs, y'all. Be careful which mob you're hanging in, okay? Be careful which crowd you're running in. They come to the door. Hello? Is this tomorrow? Yeah, this is tomorrow. Oh, we come to get you and burn you. Well, just a minute. i got to get my pocketbook. And you know what? She goes and gets her pocketbook. And Tamar says, i got something in this pocketbook I need to show you. I thought this day might come. So I kept a few of these little things for you to see. The man that got me all pregnant, well, he gave me these things. And you need to look before you be getting your matches out. It's in the book. It's what they were going to do. While they look at it, they said, well, this stuff appears like it belongs to Judah. That doesn't make sense. It's her father-in-law. And when the crowd comes to Judah and says, is this your signet? Well, yeah, that's mine. Was this your stuff? Yeah, that's, that's, that's my stuff. He owns up to it. Judah suddenly realizes the child is his. But, just so happens, it's two babies. Not one, it's two. Tamar's pregnant with twins. Judah's the father. God is trying to restore to Judah, his two boys. And we're going to kill them? 63 million that God is trying to restore. We don't know how God is working. And we're going to kill them? We ain't God. He's God. Why don't we let Him be God? Why do we kill? We don't know what God is doing, and we're going to kill 63 million babies. God was giving Judah back his boys. It's what he was doing. Is that a good God? Is that a good God? And isn't it amazing how odd God can restore you with the situation? It'll never come the way you think it's coming, ever. It'll be the oddest situation on the planet. And God will restore you. Sometimes God chooses the strangest situations to restore you. See, I love that. Had Judah burned that baby, he would have burned the answer to his prayer. God was trying to give Judah back his boys. We can't kill these babies. When God gets ready to bless you, he'll turn your mistake into a miracle. He does it every day. He'll turn your test 
into a testimony. Every single day he does it. So when Tamar showed the crowd Judah's signet and scepter, and Judah sees it, she made Judah kin to the baby. And there's a phrase in the Bible, and it's called the kinsman redeemer. And you can only redeem what you're kin to. Did you hear me? You can only redeem what you are kin to. Why do you think Jesus came to live among us? Why did He come to dwell with us? Because you can only redeem what you're kin to. And He's the great Redeemer. If He didn't come, He couldn't redeem. That's why He came. For us. See, I love that. I love that. Not everyone can be a great minister because they're not willing to be kin to the baby. They're not willing to risk their reputation. They're not willing to take a selfie with a nobody. Nah, I'm not. Nah. They won't go out and eat, but with a certain class of people. Not everybody can be a great minister. Tamar looks at Judah and she says, Look, if you burn me, you burn what you prayed for. You burn your future. You burn what you lost. I'm carrying your future, Judah. And it would be in your best interest to keep me around. And let me also say, if there's anything in your life that is speaking to your destiny and is helping you in your walk as a Christian, you might want to hang on to that. I wouldn't let it get away. I'd nurture it. I'd take care of it. And I would keep it. So Judah relents and finally says, Well, you know what? I think I've changed my mind. You come stay at the house. It's all right with me. So just like Tamar, you have the power to change your life. You've got to do something. Or folks, you'll die in Judah's house. You'll never get out. You'll be wearing widow's clothes with a black belt over your face. You've got to do what? Something. Y'all say something. Y'all say something. I've got to do something. And I'm not saying if it's right or if it's wrong. But you've got to do something. You can't just stay in Judah's house. You don't like the arrangements at your home? You've got to do something. It's that simple. You want to go back to school? Go to school. Do something. You want to start a business? Sink or swim? You've got to do something. You're not a victim. You have the power to change. You may have been born a victim, and you lived in a victim's house for a while, but you don't have to stay there. She didn't. You don't have to. But you've got to do Something. Faith without works is. Faith without works is. God blesses broken people. I've been broken. My bride's been broken. More of you have been broken here that haven't. God blesses people who make mistakes. This room is slammed full of mistake makers. It's who we are. We're people. 
God will use you as long as you have breath. If you're breathing, He'll use you. And I am. I'm sorry for what you've been through. But look, you have unborn dreams and you have unborn goals. And don't let your past commit abortion. Don't let your past kill your dreams and your goals. You shouldn't do that. You've got to do something. We're going to have Miss Karen come if she's still here. If not, is Miss Karen here? No. Okay, we're going to have a prayer. Father, I've done what you asked me to do. I've spoken to these dear people about that they've got to do something. And there could be people that you're hurting, probably are. But you're the hurt healer. And if they come to you, you welcome them with open arms. Because that's the God you are. You mend, you heal things that we can't fix ourselves. You're God high and holy and we're just not. So we're going to just let you be God. We're not going to get in your way. We're not going to kill. And we're not going to abort. Because you're working things out. All things work together for good to them that love you. To them that are called according to your purpose. So it's your purpose that that baby's there. You create the baby. The woman's the life giver, but you create the life in her. So thank you for this today. Just being able to speak about doing something in our Christian walk. And I wonder if there might be someone here today that would just admit, I don't know. I don't know the Savior. I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I'd like to know Him. Well, that can happen today with just a simple prayer. Father, I'm a sinner and I'm so sorry. I've sinned against you. I've never invited you into my heart. I do that now. I ask you to come in and clean up this train wreck that I call my life. And you told me that if I confess Jesus Christ with my mouth and believe in my heart you raised Him from the dead, that... I too can be saved and I can be a member of God's family when I walk out these doors. So I do that right now. And I wonder if there's someone that would just raise their hand and say, well, brother, I prayed that prayer. I want to know Jesus. And there could be. And if it is, please let me know. Let someone here know that wants to love on you and wants to help you grow in Christ. Because we're not here just for the show. This is not just a show. This is all about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So we lift our prayer of faith and we plead the blood on this place because that's what it takes. There's no salvation without it. So I thank you for the good time that you've allowed me to have with these dear people that love you and I know the ones that love me here. And you get the credit for any good thing that's happened today. And all of God's people will say, Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you.
Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.